school volleyball team won uh, the, the five game thing that they were doing last night, three games out of five, they won, they lost two to begin with, came from behind three in a row, wow, and they're going for a tournament this coming Friday and Saturday, so you'll be praying for them, doing really, really good, so amen, that's exciting. Well, I was going to preach, except uh, I don't have my message, so somebody took it, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually finish the message at my house and I shoot it in the email and when I get here I print it up on the printer and sometimes I'm running you know how, how that is where I'm right before get in the pulpit well one time I asked brother Ron he knows exactly what, what's up and what, what he's doing and so uh, he said can I help you preacher I said well if you want to print the message up and what I do see these are eight and a half by eleven but I cut them down so they can kind of fit in my Bible so I have these and I said yeah if you want to you know cut it up and then bring it to me then then I'll, that, I'd appreciate that because I'm running up to the pulpit he did well he cut it like this you know and they were he made two copies but he cut this one like this and he says preacher I, I made a mistake here <laughs> and I looked at that thing and said well we're gonna have half a message today so <laughs> Wise guys, just wise guys. <laughs> well, my notes, it says we still need three five-pound bags of candy. Now, Brother Lamar just said, now we only need two five-pound bags of candy. Um, I'm going to stick with this. So we need three five-pound cans of ba bags of candy. And so the extra one, just put it in my office. <laughs> we'll, we'll take care of it, okay? So, amen. All right. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18 Matthew 16, 18, just the one verse. Uh, we started with, with this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and, and we we're looking at what the Lord promised, perpetuity, that uh, the organization that would not fail. He said, Matthew 16, 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you, Lord, for this, your word. I pray that you under, help us to understand some things that would have to do with your church and how that you described this organization, this gathering, this uh, um, called-out assembly as yours. Lord, I pray that you help us to understand everything about that and, and about how that you treat and how you handle and how you deal with your church. And Lord, if this is your church that we're gathered here tonight in your name, according to your um, directive and your instructions, Lord, I pray that, that we would hear what you would have for us, this, your church, tonight. We ask that you just bless here tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. In reviewing a little bit of what was covered last week, I, I said this, and going through, there was a lot that was stated because I kind of wanted to get a lot in, so I did, and so I just kind of just listed some things as we went to the things that I talked about uh, we said that the, uh, the church could not fail or could not die according to this passage that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. No matter what the attack, no matter what the, the opposition, it doesn't matter. It's going to go on and it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, prevail. Um, but we, we said that the Lord does so many things for his church. We identified his church a little bit and we said the Lord maintains his church. 
We gave the scripture of Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 2 where he said to that church, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. I know all about you. He's, he's uh, 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 moving through his churches, the seven churches of Asia that he spoke about. These churches that are listed in, in uh, Revelation chapter number 2 and chapter number 3. Uh, these uh, first century churches, he says, I was here, I'm here, I'm here. And so he says about these churches, I know all about you. Uh, he's the inspector. He's the one that, that comes through and he's the one that, that uh, maintains. He, he knows what uh, it needs. He knows the, the ups and the downs. He knows the good, good uh, aspects of it. He knows the, the negative things about those churches. He knows his church. He maintains his church. But then we also said that he disciplines his church. Like 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 30, where in that particular instance, Paul was dealing with a church that was handling the Lord's Supper, uh, that ordinance that he gave, in, in, an, in a disrespectful way, in a flippant way. And he says, don't do that for this cause. Many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. He's talking about died. There's believers that have come to a, um, a pre premature death. It's a, a sin unto death. Believers, sin unto death because they're, they're not respecting God's word, his instruction about his church. Uh, the Lord's serious about his church when, when he disciplines his church. In the uh, uh, church at Jerusalem where Ananias and Sapphira, they came and they lied to the people, to the Holy Ghost, and they said, well, yeah, this is all the, the money from this property. They weren't required to give that money in the first place. It was it was something that they said out of our, the goodness of our heart we want to do this but but the problem was there was some there was a negative aspect of their hypocrisy they wanted to look spiritual they wanted to look better than they really were they held back some of the price and they gave the rest they said we we sold this property and here it all, it's it's all here and the lord was not pleased with that he he they were lying. They were trying to portray. They were hypocritically dealing with the things of the Lord. And God killed Ananias right there. And then his wife comes in and not hearing about what's going on, the same question was asked her. Did you give all the, the, the money? She said, yes, everything. God killed her too. Yikes. I could see why the, there were some that didn't want to join themselves to that church at that point because that's what the Bible says later. Uh, because of you know, the, 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 the strict discipline that the Lord meted upon his church. Now, these truths, you know, talking about how that the Lord deals with his church, these truths help us to see how that the Lord works in and through his church. It's the Lord that deals with his church, no less than the husbandman deals with his tree in Jesus' parable in Luke chapter 13. I'm going to go to two passages of Scripture, one in the New Testament, one in the Old Testament, that shows God dealing with His people in a way that He uses the example of a gardener or um, a, a, a vine dresser or owner with plants or with that, those things that are in His garden. And this one in Luke chapter 13, verse number 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this tree, this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, 
Lord, let it alone this year also <clears throat> until I shall dig about it and dung it. Dung it means, you know, fertilize it. Put some fertilizer around it, uh, take care of it like that. You know, try to, try to get the, 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 the strength up of this tree. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Now, <clears throat> he's dealing with the children. He, the, what he's, he's speaking about there is that it applies to the, the nation of, the, of Israel. There, by the way, when the Bible speaks of the, the nation of Israel, a common symbol is the fig tree. Um, he also deals with uh, the nation of Israel back in an Old Testament scripture in Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 1. This passage likens his chosen people to a vineyard here also. Isaiah 5, 1 says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it <clears throat> and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, God says, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes, grapes that are bitter, that really can't be eaten. And now, uh, go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, that's the protection, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof. Again, he's talking about the fence or the, the exterior that kind of keeps it in, but also keeps enemies or, or uh, that which would destroy it out. He says, I'm going to take that away. Um, let's see where, where did it end up and break down the wall thereof and it shall be trodden down verse 6 and I will lay it waste it shall not be pruned and you know what pruning is pruning is cutting that tree to take off the excess leaves and things that don't produce fruit if you have a tree that has a lot of leaves well that's where all the juices go to for the leaves and whatever but uh, a vineyard, a gardener, an owner has a has a uh, a, a, uh, a purpose for that tree. If it's an apple tree or fig tree or whatever, the purpose is for fruit. And so, to cut off the excess of that tree, it will redirect all of those juices to the 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 fruit, and therefore be a producer of much fruit. That's what he's talking about. That's. And that's how God uh, uh, deals with his people here, with his organization, his nation here. It shall not be pruned, nor digged. And that Jesus said that also in the parable that he gave. Dig round about it. You know what that means? It means aerate. Uh, for those of you that, that uh, deal with your lawns, whatever, there's a, something called an aerator. It's a thing that's got these spikes in it that you just kind of go through your, your lawn with, and it pokes holes in the sod so that air can get to it and it, it would help the roots. It will help the roots to, to have the, the proper nutrients and, and uh, air, whatever it needs. And he says, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm not going to prune it or, nor dig, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So he's identifying it now. 
says it's the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment. This is the fruit he wanted to see. This is the result. This is the produce he wants to have from this, his vineyard, his, his uh, fig tree or, or vineyard as it w- was. Look for judgment, but behold, nope, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. So here in these two stories or parables, one in the Old Testament, one that Jesus gives, talks about a vineyard that's, that's uh, trying, to, trying to produce fruit from the, the plants or from the vineyards that, that uh, they're, they're working on. And um, we understand that the narrow application falls to the nation of Israel in both of those and how that the Lord has dealt with them, giving them chance after chance to flourish and to respond to his nurture, to his, his uh, uh, discipline, to his, his treatment. Because he, as a, as a good gardener, is doing everything to get that plant to have health, to be nurtured, to produce fruit. But whether this be the nation of Israel, uh, as here in, in, in these, or the church. In the New Testament, same thing. The same, same kind of a, uh, an attitude that the Lord has to his church in the New Testament. Or even <clears throat> a, a gardener, if you just leave it at, at that. The, the illustration of a gardener. The principle still applies. And there's a few things you want from these stories. Number one, the fruit was the end goal of having the tree or the vine. The gardener wanted fruit. That's why he did all of this, why he put all of that into that. He invested so that he could get fruit. <clears throat> and, and, you know, by the way, when we're talking about all of this stuff, uh, let's not just think about the nation of Israel. Let's think of us. Let's think of where I am and what the Lord wants from me, what the Lord wants from this church. Fruit is the end goal of having the tree in the first place. God is interested in a return. He's interested in the the produce of fruit. He's doing this to produce something. Barrenness is the cause for termination or death. Here where Jesus said, here's this guy that had a a fig tree. Year after year after year, it it wasn't producing says, all right, we're going to cut it down. All right, hang on, just a little bit. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's make one more time. And then if it doesn't produce fruit, okay, justified. Cut it down. Get rid of Move it out of the way because there's something else that could produce fruit that should be in that place. In my uh, uh, backyard growing up, my folks were from Italy. They were gardeners, actually, farmers in Italy. And in Sicily, I, I had the, the privilege of actually visiting those places my cousin First cousin took me around when I, when I visited there the first time that I was there, and he, he showed me the, the plot of land that my dad had. It was after the war. Uh, they did this lottery kind of system, and they, they gave the, the, the land around there uh, because the, 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 uh, there were so many that were killed in the war and so, you know that there was, the farmers were few and all. So anyway, there was some kind of a program where they had a lottery where they actually gave land to the people that lived in St. Catherine, Sicily, Santa Catarina, Sicily. And uh, anyway, he took me out to that place and, and showed me that place. And I remember my dad talking about that when he was alive. He would say that, man, you know, I got, I was, you know, praying for this particular spot. And sure enough, Senor Carabello, he got the, you know, he's got that, that land that he was wanting. You know, it's this one strip of land that was fruitful and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just like, wow, that was really, really cool. 
Why I said that, I don't know. It was one of those rabbit trails that I got lost in. And so I'm find, trying to find my way back home. All right, so anyway. Um, <clears throat> it had a pretty good point. Oh, yeah. Barrenness, yeah, barrenness is a cause of termination. Now, okay, that was my dad in Italy. And now they, they moved to Chicago. Some of my relatives or, or the Farinellas stopped in New York. And I don't really know all of them that much, but then the rest came to Chicago. My dad had this, this uh, little bungalow in the city of Chicago. And where in, in my neighborhood, it was in the city, so there's house after house after house after house after house after house, you know, just cookie cutter houses, you know, as far as you can see. And he had one of those houses, and there was a garage after garage after garage in the backyard, garage, 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 garage. In my dad's backyard, he didn't want a garage. He wanted a garden. So they didn't put a garage up. He, he had the house built with no garage, and he put a little, and the garden wasn't, I don't know, it, it wasn't as big as that wall to that wall. It was a small, you know, place where a garage could be, but in that garage was placed, it, it looked like, folks, it looked like the Garden of Eden. No kidding. He had figs that produced. He had apricots. He had pears. He, there was an apple tree. He had uh, 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 grapes in this vineyard. You know, it's just really neat. The figs actually couldn't produce in Chicago uh, because the winters were too harsh. My dad figured out a way how to actually uh, produce figs he would take the fig tree, and in the fall, he would kind of dig out half of the roots, and he'd, he'd weigh it down with weights and stones, and then he'd bury it. He'd cover it up, and so then the, the uh, 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 trunk wouldn't split in the, in the bitter cold, 20 below zero, and sometimes it would get there in Chicago. And it would survive the winter, and in the spring, he'd pull it up again and, and you know, have it strapped up, and then it would continue to produce. It was amazing. And boy, did it ever produce fruit. Figs. Oh, man. You know, uh, uh, fig newtons. Blech. Fresh figs. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, uh, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, fresh figs, man, it, was, it would be wonderful. The fruit that was produced from these trees was amazing. And, but every little inch of that garden was, was dedicated. My mom was the flower woman, and she had flowers everywhere. My dad had the fruit and, and the, and the, the uh, grapes and the whatever. And if there was a tree, and I remember this growing up, if there was a tree that wasn't producing, I mean, he'd leave it up there a year, two, three, maybe four. If it's not producing, it's out of there, man. I mean, because you know why? He wanted to see fruit, and he was a good gardener, and he could get fruit. But if there was some, if there was a, a plant, some kind of a plant or tree or whatever that wasn't producing, get that out of here because I need the spot for something that will produce. Hey, you want to know something? God wants to see his glory from this church. And if this church is not going to do it, then we're out of there and he's going to get something that would produce what he wants, the fruit he wants from us, from this place, from this church, barrenness. It's cause for termination. It's cause for termination when you, when you look at the, the Old Testament uh, children of Israel. You know, they're put on the shelf now because they did not bring, they did not bring forth what God had, had intended. And so that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable to God. He will tear, you know, sometimes people think, well, this is the Lord's work, you know, and, and uh, God wouldn't destroy his own work. Yes, he will if it's not doing what it's supposed to. 
Yes, he will. That great temple of the Old Testament was just awesome. It was, it was uh, uh, opulent. It was, it was magnanimous. It was the best. It was breathtaking as kings and queens would come to look at that, and there would be no more breath in them when they saw the, the temple, the final, final temple that Solomon uh, erected with the help of David's materials and all of that. Destroyed. Destroyed. You know why? That's because it wasn't producing the fruit that God had intended. So with these, with the, these uh, uh, gardeners or these vineyard uh, or, or uh, uh, what do you call it, you know, uh, people that are, what's, what's that? What am, I, what am I thinking of? The, the what now? Yeah, vine dressers, gardeners. There was, there was a, anyway, there was, so, so anyway, because of, in, in the, these things, we said three things. Number one, fruit was the end goal of having a tree. Number two, barrenness is a cause of termination. And number three, you've got to understand that much care is invested to encourage productivity. That's what he says with both of those parables. He says, man, this is what the, the gardener did. He, he uh, uh, dug it around. He, he gave it the proper nutrients. He did this. He did that. And tried this and tried that. And, and you know, that, the Old Testament, he says, hey, he, he confined it. You know, that's, you know, uh, uh, sometimes uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the vine or the, the, the plants that are there that are contained, they might want to be wild and just grow. You know, and and the, the gardener says, no, no, it's got to be contained. It's got to be protected. And, and so he did so many things. There, there much care was invested to encourage productivity. Now, these principles totally apply to the Lord's churches today. To Wooden Valley Baptist Church, Revelation chapter 2, chapter 3, prove this premise. Jesus is intimately involved in each and every church that he establishes. Okay, so, keeping that in mind, now let's apply some of these truths. What this church has got to understand about this church and our relationship with the Lord. Number one, there's three things that will be done. Number one, this is the Lord's church. He calls it my church. I will build my church. There's other kinds of gatherings, other kinds of, of uh, social gatherings or civic gatherings. As a matter of fact, one of the gatherings in the New Testament, in your King James Bible, it's called an assembly. Other places, it's called a church. Uh, it was one of the uh, Greek uh, civic authorities when there was a, uh, 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 riot that was going on because of Paul. They were going to pull him apart. And he, he gets in the midst. He says, what is this assembly gathered here? He, and it uses the word ecclesia, this called out assembly. They, they were called out to do some civic business. And there's different kinds of assemblies. There's uh, the Boy Scouts. There's uh, the Mooses, the Gooses, and the Get Looses, and whatever's out there. You know, there's, there's different kinds of, you know, chess club, or there's different kinds of uh, p political assemblies or whatever. You know what? Jesus, when he was making his church, he says, this is going to be something different. This is my church. And so he calls it my church. So we, number one, we, got, we have to understand this is the Lord's church. Should we even have to say that? Yes. Absolutely. You know why? Because we are in such a uh, consumer-oriented mindset that everything for me, everything for my convenience, everything for what I need, what I need from this, what I need from that, you know, what, you know, if, uh, you know, sometimes a visitor will come here and, 
and, uh, and they've got an idea of what a church should be. You know, it's some kind of a social gathering or some kind of a whatever or, or you know, there's all kinds of different, different uh, purposes. We've got to understand this is not a community church. And I'm not, I'm not bragging on community churches, I'm, you know, as far as the name and that kind of stuff. Uh, because this is a, a, a church in the midst of this community. But it's not for the community. It's for God. You see, he's the vineyard, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, vine dresser. He's the gardener. He's the, the, the one that puts it here to produce fruit. There's, there's a purpose for this, and that's so he can get produce from this church. It's his church. This is the Lord's church. We cannot do our own will. We can't walk our own walk or our own pathway. We can't get our own way here. We can, we've got to, and by the way, we can't judge on our own values. Well, preacher, I think it should be, well, that's good. I think something else. But you know what? Your opinion or my opinion really doesn't matter here. You know what does matter here? His opinion. You know why? It's his church. It's his church, his ways, his will, his word, his directives, his instructions. I understand that just recently we're this church. I mean, there's ups and downs and been pastoring this church for uh, this year, 34 years. That's some time. And I've, I've seen bumps and I've seen difficulties and I've seen some real tough times that we've gone through and, and I've seen some times of harvest. And I understand that right just recently we're facing some financial straits. For those, the deacons and myself, that we gather monthly to kind of uh, see things and whatever, and, you know, uh, there, there was just recently some, you know, uh, offerings or expenses or whatever. It's just, it's kind of come to a, 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 a screeching urgency. Uh, you didn't know that, did you? Well, you will, and uh, uh, because that's going to be made known for you, uh, to you with the, with the deacons and, and the treasurer. By the way, pray for our new treasurer, Brother Paul. He's just uh, took that seat, and he's get, getting a handle on the situation, and the deacons are going to soon inform the church of the financial state of the union of the church. He's, they're going to uh, disclose that so that everybody knows, and we all are in on, on this, and we all know what's going on and know what we have to do in, in these situations. Because uh, we, we want to disclose everything. This is a church that there are no closed doors. There aren't, anybody can know anything. You ask uh, uh, the, the leadership about the books, they'll open it up and show you everything that you need to know. Um, and so just recently, you know, we've, we've had some, some financial uh, uh, straits, I guess you would say it like that. Some might see our missions giving of, I don't, I don't remember what it is this year, about 90,000, uh, 80 or 90,000 is what we, we give annually towards missions, thank the Lord for that. But people will look at that and be puzzled. Well, why would we even think that we'd be scraping to keep in the black if, we, if we're giving away that much money to missions? Well, it's because this is not our church. This is his church, what he, whatever he wants. And you know, what he's, you know what his directive is? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel in Jerusalem and in Judea at the same time. And that means we're here at home base and across the globe is what we're supposed to do. Or some might say that it would be better to just build up home base and forget about these other fledgling works. You know, we're concerned about sending people down to uh, Emerald City lately and whichever the new, new work is, we're trying to help that work, bolster it, sometimes send members to, to uh, be a part of that church and help them. 
And so uh, that's what we do. We try to help fledgling works. And, and at those times, we put out a, 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 a clipboard and say, sign up. We want one or two families every week to, to, to be there, to see what's going on, to help out, to, to, to help out in, in being ushers or being uh, uh, singers or, or teachers or nursery workers or whatever, because we want to help that, that church. And so we're, we're doing that. We're helping, helping other fledgling works, sending out people and resources um, so, and we've done this for Foundation Baptist Church, for Skyline Baptist Church, uh, when, when they were going through difficulties, and now uh, Pastor Kyle is there. Bellevue Baptist Church with Brother Joel Creekmore, uh, uh, Brother Glenn Armstrong in, at White Center, there, the church there, uh, South Seattle with uh, uh, Brother AJ with Emerald City Baptist Church. Every time a new work begins, we give of our time, our talent, our focus, our funds, and we want to do that. That's what we're supposed to do. And yes, that may be the logical way for us to think like, well, wait a minute, you know, well, how about just building up here, home base? But let me just tell you something, folks. Sunday, I was privileged to be in that combined service that uh, uh, Brother AJ had um, Sunday afternoon at uh, Emerald City. Uh, there were combined services at Emerald City Baptist Church, and there was, uh, there was uh, Bellevue Baptist and uh, Foundation Baptist. I wonder if you, if you have the, the uh, picture. Can you, can you do that? This, this is what was going on. Uh, you can't hardly dim the lights. See if you, yeah. uh, this is what was going on Sunday afternoon. Uh, there's Brother AJ, and he's uh, you know, making some announcements, and he's you know, saying this. And it was so cool. The, the, the place that they're renting um, they're usually, when it's not a combined service, there's like, oh, I don't know, 10, maybe 15 people or so. And, uh, and, and that's, that's exciting right there. But here was a, a service where other churches that were helping, that were supporting, that the church that he came out of, Foundation Baptist Church, they were there. And there was uh, three pastors, four pastors. I'll get, let's see the next uh, slide. You got it, yeah. I like this one because there's really handsome-looking guys on there, especially especially the one on the right. But anyway, uh, so uh, this was really cool to see that because here's Brother AJ with with uh, the sending church, the the mother church and the grandmother church. I like to say father church and grandfather church. I don't know, but anyway, uh, it was really cool to see that and see others that are that are helping and that are doing that. And let's see the next slide. Now, this was this was a picture of everybody that was there that was. It was just, I'm telling you, folks, it was wonderful. It was so cool to see that, to see these churches that are, that are helping each other. And that, you know what? Those six or ten people that, they were, that were there, they're like, wow. You know, the, <clears throat> some of these churches, and they've been going for some time now. Uh, Bellevue Baptist, only two years now, right? Two or three years. Uh, Foundation Baptist Church coming up 14 years. You know, and and established and helping others, those people there, they they said, this is cool, this is wonderful. Have you know, there's there's more crazies than just our preacher, <laughs> you know. There's other people that think like this. It was really wonderful to see that, and they were encouraged. And man, what a what a blessing! Thank you, appreciate that. <clears throat> um, see, showing a support from others who have recently begun in the same way that they uh, began. What a blessing. That was cool. Jesus said, this is the reason why we're doing this. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's his, that's his commission. We're to do that. 
South Seattle needs a local assembly of believers to grow in the Lord there, just like we do here. <clears throat> Bellevue Baptist Church. Bellevue has got to have the witness of a New Testament church that Jesus will nurture and protect, just like he does with all of his churches that we see in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Um, Seattle is dying for a clear proclamation of the word of God. And you got Brother Kyle uh, McMillan that are preaching the word of God out there. Sammamish cannot do, do without a sound testimony for the Lord. And you have Foundation Baptist Church there and Pastor Matt. Sure, every church plant, now folks, I want to say this. Every church plant drains from our resources. That's the truth. We knew the job was dangerous when we took it, didn't we? Before we ever started with this church plant thing, I remember years ago we, we said, listen, we're going to have to get some churches started, and it's going to take more than just sending an offering. We've got to uh, give, and we've got to uh, uh, give of our resources, of our time, of our focus. We're going to we're gonna have to really give to, towards getting these churches going. And so when, when, we, when we did that, we, we noticed it, it drains. That first church we uh, started in, in uh, Foundation Baptist Church, we sent with about five families. And about uh, three or four of the families actually stuck, and they, they did really well. You know, but man, that was a chunk out of our uh, you know, um, uh, attendance or offerings and whatever. But yeah, you know what? Every church plant drains from our resources, but we're commanded to go into all the world, not just build up home base. Yes, we're supposed to build up this church, and that's, that's God's plan. But not only here, it's, it's for the whole world. God is going to take care of his work if we're faithful to follow the direction. Because, folks, this is his church. Don't forget that. This is his church. And this is his church for his pleasure. <clears throat> whatever floats his boat. You know, the saying, yeah, whatever floats your boat. You know, your boat. You know meaning whatever you like. You know, everybody's got something. Else. Hey, it's not whatever I like. Whatever the Lord likes, whatever the Lord wants. Too many churches are so concerned to design a church to please the community in which they are placed, whether it's in music or style or entertainment or language, attitude, the acceptance of the world. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's so much that are so worried about the, the, the uh, uh, community around them that they, they begin to, to uh, uh, look at that like that's what, is needed. That's what we're, we're all about is, is to get other people to like us or other people to, to... Listen, there's only one, only one that we seek to please here. That's the Lord. And it's not you and it's not me. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's His church. We are His bride and we're to live for Him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11.2, For I am jealous, Paul says, over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin, virgin to Christ. And so what he's saying here is, is that church, the Corinthian church, it's supposed to be, in, in this vernacular, in this example, is as a, uh, a bride espoused to a husband, and Jesus is the, the, the groom, the bride is the church. And it's supposed to be a chaste virgin, and that means pure, and, and protected for only, only the husband. Isaiah 62, verse number 5, As the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. I know it's talking about uh, God's people in the Old Testament, but that's the, the, the picture that God uses as a bride and a bridegroom. 
Revelation chapter 19, verse number 7. This is what the church is, to, this the New Testament church, us, to here today, this is what we are to the Lord. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb, that is Jesus, we're talking about our Savior here, the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife, that's the church, the church that He loved and gave His life for, that His wife has made herself ready. That's the attitude that every church should have as a bride adorned for her husband. <clears throat> we, as his bride, we dress for him. We seek to please him, just as a bride would to her uh, fiancé, her, her uh, new husband. Uh, uh, we desire his smile, his pleasure. While the loose woman for sale dresses provocatively, in Proverbs chapter 7 Verse number 10, the phrase there is a woman with the attire of an harlot. Well, yeah, she's got the attire of an harlot because she's for sale. She's advertising. She's putting, her, putting out. She's cheap. You know why? She wants to, to grab the attention of every man that's around. It doesn't matter who it is. That's what she's after. She's after the eyes to be drawn to her. She wants the attention uh, she, for the purposes of grabbing, grabbing the attention of every guy that she meets. Now, the chaste virgin only looks to the eyes of her spouse. She's not going to be dressing like that. And you know what? A good man wouldn't want that kind of a woman anyway. By the way, young people, pay attention. If you just reveal your body the way that the world does today, there's no, there's no uh, mystery, there's no uh, honor, there's no respect. Folks, listen, ladies, you don't want... That kind of a husband that's drawn to that anyway. You want somebody that's going to, uh, like Jesus and the church, or that like any good husband to his new bride, wants somebody who is dedicated to him alone. That's what the church should do and, and should be. Um, the chaste virgin only looks to the eyes of her spouse. What does Jesus want? Well, whatever he wants, that's what we're to be. How can we please him? Well, he's our creator. He's our savior. He's our lover and our friend. He deserves our best. Our all, our love, all of our love should go to the Lord Jesus Christ. When major, quote, Christian leaders don't even have the simple clarity to articulate the truth of God's word when it comes to anything that God says and states in his word, for, for instance, the, the power of creation. You see that in the first uh, two, three chapters of the book of Genesis. And they're, they're just uh, falling all over themselves to try to say, well, it's millions and millions. No, no, God says the evening and the morning or the first day, the second day, the third day. He identifies it very clearly. And, and there are, there are so-called uh, preachers and churches and Christians that, that they don't want to they don't want to articulate that. They don't want to look like they're unscientific, and so they're, they're going to pander to the world. And folks, that's really not so when you look at it. When you, I, I'm so grateful for creation science. I'm so grateful for creation science because the truth is that he spoke. Let there be, and there was. It's his word, the word of his power. And, and that's our God. And, and major Christian leaders don't even um, uh, uh, articulate the power of creation, the six days of creation, or God's holiness concerning sin. This is who God is. Now, whatever the sin is, it doesn't matter whether it be of immorality or homosexuality or 
trans, transgender confusion, nonsense that's going around, or even simply in confining in intimacy within marriage. They don't want to, uh, you know, offend anybody by saying that, by, by laying out what God says in his word. Well, shame on us. Um, what Jesus said about the exclusiveness of salvation through him alone, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by... And you have those, quote, preachers saying, well, yeah, I know that Jesus says that, but it's all people and everybody. You know. Hey, he's, he's contradicting what Jesus said. Who are you trying to please? Really? Whose eyes are you looking at? You, you know, looking at the bride to a virgin that's chaste. That, that is, has a desires towards her husband. Who is it that you're trying to please saying all that junk? <clears throat> we are in trouble, I'm telling you. Uh, there's a whole lot that are seeking to please either the world or themselves and not God. Hey, guys, what we, we got to understand, number one, this is the Lord's church. Number two, things that tend to productivity in this vineyard and with these trees the pruning, the digging, the dunging, and the fencing, they're, they're hard. They're difficult. They're difficult, but the Lord has a purpose in those. These hard things are tedious. Take patience. Uh, patience needed in application. Um, they're painful. Things like pruning. But they're the things that bring about growth or fruit or health. Every year we have this, in the front of our house, we have what they call a burning bush. I think that's what the, the name of the tree is. It's a burning bush. It's, and the reason why they, they call it a burning bush is because it's got this fruit that, that kind of looks like a flame or something. Anyway, beautiful, big, purple kind of leaves. I mean, that thing grows. Every, every season it grows and it puts out leaves that are, that are red, dark, deep purple red. And it's right in front of our door. And I love that thing. I love that thing. I never saw anything like that before. And every year, come about this time, my wife gets out her pruning hooks and she prunes it. No, no. She slaughters it. She, she destroys it. She actually, she, she Freddy Kruegers it, man. I tell you, she, she actually destroys that thing to nothing. And I tell her every year that she does that. What'd you do? You killed it. And she said, no, no, I didn't kill it. It's just the opposite. What she's doing, she's encouraging growth, life, and health for the next season. You gotta go, you gotta go through that. <clears throat> See, there's some challenges that everybody faces. The trials that you're going through, the pruning, the digging, the dunging. See, you'd not grow without them. But the the vineyard, the 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 husbandman, that's the word I was looking for. The husbandman. The gardener, uh, he knows what it takes for the, the thing to grow. You're not going to grow without those difficult things. You're not, you're, you'll not be forced to trust, trust God without those difficulties, those challenges. You'd not advance to the next class without them. Listen, I've seen the Lord put this church and me and individuals through the furnace kiln of his will to come out of each and every trial and victory stronger, more resilient, deeper, bettered by the challenge. Every trial does that, whether we like it or not. Now, we should like it. The Bible says, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Glory? Whoopee! You know, going through tribulations, you glory in tribulations, while well, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. 
James 1, 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. You got setbacks. Oh, wow. It's tough. It's hard. What is our attitude? Woo-hoo, wow, wonderful. Count it all joy. I don't know about you, but it's, those things come. I don't first think about rejoicing, you know? Some in the church, some new believer gets destroyed by the devil's wiles. And what do we do? In the dumpster, do we rejoice that we're in the battle? Because it is a battle. Sometimes there's strife among saints. Well, good, let's watch God work in their hearts. Financial woes, you know? Well, more God, give us more of that. (laughs) I don't know about you. I don't pray that way, but that's kind of like what we're supposed to. Um, one, one thing that's been really tough lately in this church, the losses of saints to heaven. Oh, man. I could start naming off some of the great saints, wonderful saints of God that are, have gone. To do, I, I miss them. I miss them. And they're, they're just wonderful, wonderful saints. And, and, so, and that's hard. What's our reaction? Well, glory. I don't know. That would, should be our reaction. But sometimes there's persecutions and oppressions among friends, governmental laws, employment. Whoopee! Is that what we do? You know, rejoice? Members get backslidden. And you know what? When members get backslidden, they affect everybody's heart, everybody's attitude around here. Don't tell me it doesn't. It does. What do you say at that point? Lord, could you prune off a little bit more? We want fruit. (laughs) I don't think to say that. But you know what? The gardener knows. He knows unless he prunes, we don't get fruit. When have somebody that gets upset and, you know, leaves the church. I can't stand this place. I don't get fed here. Uh, Lord, more dung, please. <laughs> we, we need more dung because, you know, we, we need blessings. Hey, you know what? That's not the way I think. Uh, that's probably not the way you think either. Now, listen, nobody wants the difficulties, the lacks, the trials, the tests. They're hard, but they're just what Dr. Jesus ordered. Just what the, the gardener, the, the uh, husbandman orders. So bring it on. Through the shades of faith. I don't feel it, but I know it. Tribulation worketh patience, fruit. That's what we want. So uh, the three things you, you need to know is, number one, uh, the Lord, this is the Lord's church. Number two, things that tend to productivity, the pruning, the digging, all of that, is all, they're always hard. And number three, obedience and acceptance concerning his discipline makes the difference. Folks, is this what you need to do? This is what you need to understand is our reaction, our reaction to those things that God brings our way makes all the difference in the world, whether we're going to be bettered by it or whether we're going to get derailed by it. You remember the Old Testament people failed, even after everything that the Lord did. I mean, the Lord did all of that stuff, and, and he helped it, he, he you know, protected it, he, he um, aerated it, he did everything that, it, that was needed there, pruned it, but they failed. Some people and some churches fail in faith after all the Lord's disciplines. When he digs about it, he dungs it, he prunes it. They must accept his will and be willing to grow, develop, learn, and bear fruit by it. Now, folks, I don't know that we're in the middle of a dung season, you know, or a pruning session, you know. How do you see it? You may be struggling because of heavy trials. 
the, the question is, how am I facing this? How are we facing? Lord, I know this is good for me. I know this is good for us. You want our attention and, and our faith to react properly. God, help me. Help me see it the way that you want me to see it. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment. See, it's the church that will not fail, not individuals or even movements that die out. Let's not forsake God's plan, his program. Let's not balk at the Lord's growth program. He doesn't fail producing fruit when we accept his discipline. And folks, that's what we need to do. We need to accept where we are. We need to accept what the church is, is uh, allowing us to go, and go through or putting us through so that we can grow, so that we can accept, we can grow strong. We can, we can bear fruit. We want to bear fruit. Lord, I pray that you help us. Lord, there's, this is uh, about the church as a whole, but Lord, there's individuals, no doubt, that are going through difficulties. That's okay, Lord. That's all right. We are uh, facing some troubles or some hard times, the prunings. They're, they're no fun. 